0: So we're going to finish up our sermon series today called Engage. We've been talking about different ways that you, anyone who calls Restoration Road their home, different ways that you can engage in the mission of Restoration Road. At the heart of every church is a mission. We gather to be sent to be on mission to make disciples of Jesus. We live, as the Apostle Paul talks about, we live in an evil age. We live in a broken age. We live in an age where people need restoration in Jesus. And it's only by Him that lives are restored, reconciled to Him, reconciled to community, and reconciled to purpose. There is no other mediator, we learn in the Scriptures, between God and man, except for Jesus Christ. So we have been given a mission by our Master and by our Savior to live all of life, every moment, every minute, every day, every month, every season, for His glory and for His mission. He uses us as instruments in people's life to shine forth His gospel, to speak His gospel, to demonstrate His gospel, to live out His gospel, as we talked about last week, we can be lights when, when people see even the way we love one another, the way we live our lives, it shows them there's a God in heaven. Our mission is to see people restored by the gospel. And one of the ways we see people restored by the gospel is we give. We give financially, right? I got you here on Super Bowl Sunday to talk about giving financially. Gotcha, the intro was pretty hot, though, so I slipped it in there on the other end. But what I want us to be as a church, I want us to be how you can really measure a man's heart, a woman's heart, is how they manage their money. Are they givers? Do they see their money as ways to fuel this mission of God to see people restored? Are they either overspenders or buriers? Usually we find ourselves in those different categories, like we just get money to frivolously spend it, or we get money to bury it. What Jesus wants to do is He wants to give us money to invest it in His mission and of course to supply our basic needs. And that's why Jesus preached about money a lot because Jesus was a heart preacher. He didn't preach just to get to religious folk. He got to get, He preached to preach to the individual in the masses and get to people's hearts. And when He talked about money, He always brought it to the place when it came to money about where's your heart? So this message is really about the heart, but the extension of that is money, And I want to open up with this question. We've talked about ways to engage in the mission by attending and inviting. And many of you are doing great today because you attended. Continue to invite people, right? Connect to a group. So excited. We have 56 people connected to groups right now. And we're loving that. We just lost our third RR group, right? We're praying for 100, right? We got a high of 83 in December, in January, actually, we got a high of 83, and we're still working towards that that God grows us. We're praying for 100 gospel conversations, right? We had eight of them in the month of January. I'm just giving you the mission report here. We also talked about serving. I want each one of you to use the gifts that God has given you in concert for the mission of God, and how can we come alongside you to help you activate those gifts for the glory of God? And today we'll talk about engaging the mission by giving. And so I want to ask you this this question right here to kind of get our hearts in the place where maybe Jesus wants them. What is your greatest experience when it comes to money? Is it a time when you received money or a time when you gave money? What is your greatest experience with money? Is it a time when you received money or a time when you gave money? And so I want to turn to the to the scriptures, and this is the verse we'll be coming out of today to kind of shape that question. It's Acts 20, chapter 20, verse 35. Acts, chapter 20, verse 35. It says, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the heart of our Savior Jesus, our Master, our God, our King. He's teaching us about money. And he's saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know. Let me give you this example that's helpful to me to show you this principle of a life lived that models it's better to give than receive. I don't watch Jimmy Kimmel much, but back in the day, Jimmy Kimmel's show, he had a legendary character on his show, his Uncle Frank. I don't know if anyone knew Uncle Frank on the Jimmy Kimmel show. He was this legendary, he was an old New York cop, that he'd been called into the office many times by his station because he wouldn't give out tickets. He gave out a total of three tickets his whole 30 years as a cop. And they said, Uncle Frank, you've got to give a ticket out. The people are breaking the law. But Uncle Frank couldn't give out a ticket. I'm not saying Uncle Frank's right. I'm just trying to say his personality. Some of you deserve tickets and you know it. Amen. I'll take an amen for that. But Uncle Frank, at the beginning of every week, they call Uncle Frank in and he still wore his uniform. He was so bright. He was loving life. He was serving people. He was always there for others. He'd take $100 cash at the beginning of every week. He'd put it in his pocket just to give away to other people. He set aside 100 a week in his pocket and says, as the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to give to those in need, whether it was buying someone a coffee or paying for the ticket or giving a homeless man a little money on the side of the road or taking someone else for lunch. Whatever the need was, he put the $100 in there because he followed the principle that it's better to give than to receive See how that principle just in a small way is lived out? That he found so much joy in that. See, my joy is not in someone giving me a hundred bucks this week. My joy is that I get to give a hundred dollars to someone and how much is going to bless them and how much satisfaction I will get from that. That's the kind of heart I want us to find at Restoration Road in all of life as a Christian. How can I give more? Not how can I get more? How can I make more money not to store up, like Jesus says, things that are going to rust and that are not going to matter when we take our final breath and enter paradise. But how can I gather more to give more? How can I use the gifts and talents that he's given me to take care of the weak and take care of the poor and take care of Jesus' bride, the church? How can I model a life that says it's better to give than receive and have the heart of our Savior, Jesus? That's where we're going today with the giving message, to capture that heart. What a culture that would be at Restoration Road. We want to continue to shape that culture where we see that it's better to give than to get. So we're going to follow these three kind of points today. And either Grace or Ellie is excited about this message right here. First of all, it's better to create a culture in which giving is seen as greater than getting. Secondly, let's answer the question: Why is it better to give than to receive? Why? Some of us may be saying, "I don't feel that." feel like people trying to get in my pockets take something from me. And how do we model a life that speaks that to people? Because our life speaks our life speak messages the way we live them. How do we live a life that speaks it's better to give than to receive? So let's start here. It's better to create a culture in which giving is which giving is greater than getting. In this passage in Acts 20:35 what apostle Paul had did or done is he had called all the elders of Ephesus together. He says, I got an important message for you. He calls all the elders, all the pastors who are leading and creating culture in these churches, he calls them together with an important message. And part of the important message is you must model a culture that is built around the teaching of our Savior Jesus that it's better to give than to get. This is one of the most important things you'll see. The way I've lived my life, the way I've had some and I've had little, the way I work hard, I try to model you what it looks like, model to you what it looks like that is better to give than to receive. He says this is of the greatest importance that you build churches that take care of the weak by giving more than you get. See, this is at the heart of the Christian faith. See, the early church they poured themselves out. They said, money is not our primary motivator. Seeing people restored by the gospel is our primary motivator. We're going to use money and put it in its right place for what it's supposed to be used for. That's to fuel the mission of God. This is how he's teaching them to the approach and handle money. Because Jesus knows that to get people's hearts, you must teach them what's most important first. That's why he says you can't serve two masters. You'll either serve God or you'll serve money. And it's very interesting that our Savior says he breaks it down to those two. Either you're going to bow down to me and the actions of your life are going to be submissive to my will. Or you're going to bow down to money. And we understand that in Boston culture, don't we? One of the richest areas in the nation, if not the world. We have the best medical centers, the best Banks, we have the best schools, we have all those, so we have money around here. That's why it cost two million dollars for a 500 square foot home around here. Right? It's important that we understand that money should never be the primary motivator in our life. Jesus is telling us that because it will leave us empty. Our Savior loves us enough to say, Don't live your life for money because it's going to leave you empty. You think it's going to get you what you want, but it's going to leave you with a lot of things, a lot of pain, and a lot of lost opportunities and regrets. That's why to many of his missionaries, he said, don't take anything with you. Take anything with you. Don't seek after money. Seek after me, and the rest will follow, Jesus says. I'll take care of every one of your needs. Your house, your shelter, your needs, your food, your clothes. He said, look at the lilies of the field. Do they look stressed out? But how beautiful are they? Look at the birds of the air. Not a one of them falls to the sky without my care. I say that to know we have no reason to fear about money. Our Savior's got that. What we need to be worried about and concerned about is the issues of the heart. Is our number one motivator to give financially the few, the mission of God, to see people's life's restored. Now, he did not say money was a bad thing, but he did say money's a bad primary motivator. You know, just this week, I met with someone, and they have the, I would say they have the gift of contributing in generosity. We read that from the scriptures last week. Like, they just like to write checks. They like to give online. They like to give to this church and to people in need, and it just makes them feel alive. They say, wow, every time I hit that button, I love it. I'm like, God has my heart, and I get to help people. Like, that's a wonderful thing. Like, that's that feeling, like, what a wonderful, cheerful thing. I get to give to fuel the mission of God. I get to give so people can hear the gospel. I get to give so um, single moms can be taken care of. I get to give to take care of the homeless and the poor. I get to give so the church of Christ keeps going, contributing in generosity every time I hit that button. That's joy, and that's where I want us to be as a church family, is every time we give much or we give little, but we give from our heart in a cheerful way, we feel that principle, it's better to give than to receive. Because when we get our heart to that place, you feel the pleasure of God, and money finds its right place. See, money will torture you. Money will torture you. It's the number one reason that married couples fight and get divorced is money it's the number one reason that many people get up in the morning is money. It's the mon- one of the number one reasons we don't forgive people that we're still bitter against is money. It's, the- it's just so many reasons. Money is at the heart, the love of it, where we think it can give things that only our Savior Jesus can give. It does what mo- all idols do. It promises the world and it leaves you empty. Jesus says, I'm going to teach you a better way. I'm going to teach you to live with eternity in mind. Yeah, you're going to work hard. You're going to use your gifts. I'm going to take care of you the whole way if you only believe. But be remarkably generous to my bride, the church. Isn't that freeing? Our God owns the universe. The king is our king. His name is Jesus. And the righteous have never gone begging for bread. and He will never leave you empty hand. He will take care of you every moment. It's a wonderful way to live. And so I want to start there. Every time we follow the example of Jesus, we are helping create a culture where it's better to give than to receive. We've all been around cultures where it's all about money. We don't know if people are just trying to be your friend for money or trying to use you for a sales pitch. And that's not a way to live. But being around a community that's, how can I give? How can I help? How can I make more to give more? That's the way of Christ. And Paul is bringing us together and speaking through the Holy Spirit, the words of our Savior Jesus, and saying, create this kind of culture. Model this kind of life. Let's work towards that restoration road. So some of us are saying, man, Jesus says it's better to give than to receive, but I'm not feeling that. (laughs) Why? How could that be possible? What about my hardwood floors? What about my vacations? I got a boat that I've already named that I'm saving for. Right? What about my kicks? You see these blue campuses. Come on. I buy sneakers once every 10 years. People are like, he's preaching up there in the blue campuses, giving money. I see what you're doing, Pastor. I had to match the Patriots gear. But let's talk about why it is better To give than to receive. Because it says it right in this passage. And I want to keep this nice and simple yet powerful. We must help the weak. We must help the weak. Paul gives the why. We must help the weak. Everyone who takes up the cross, believes in Jesus, identifies as a Christian, they are saying They're taking up the cause of Christ. I'm going to live my life to help the weak. Now, that could be weak spiritually, like Jesus preached. He said the poor in spirit will see the kingdom of God. It could be the weak in spirit. It could be the poor in spirit that we plant churches for to grow in the gospel, to be reconciled to God, to be connected to community, to be on purpose. All those ways, when you help the weak like that, you're pushing back on all kinds of darkness. You're pushing back on the suicides. When you build churches built on faith and encouragement, we should be pushing back on the darkness of people committing suicide because they should find so much hope in Jesus. Amen. When we build churches, there should be less people addicted and they should be walking in sobriety like some in this church who just celebrated five years. I won't say their names because it needs to be anonymous. Right? That churches. The Bride of Christ, the instrument of God, connected to community. you want to know the best way to battle addiction and take down this heroin epidemic? Plant more churches that believe in Christ, and we'll put a big dent in that. Fight for that. Give to that. You want marriages to stay together more? Keep them connected to churches that lift up marriages and call husbands to lay down their wives, uh, not their wives. Don't lay down your wife preaching too quick there someone said pastor said lay down your wife you know lay down their lives for their brides (laughs) you remember it now wives who love their husbands and speak highly of their husbands how about a culture where there's not just wives like "My, my husband's a dud right But wife saying, my husband is someone who's given all he got to lay down his life for this family. He works hard. He loves me. He loves his children. He's a sinner just like me, but it's great to see his heart fighting like Jesus for his bride. You know how you do that? You give to the weak. You help the weak. You plant churches, and you promote godly ethics and values fueled by the Holy Spirit. That's worth giving towards. Those are great investments. You know, another category of helping the weak, the why behind we give, is because those who have fallen on hard times financially and need assistance to get back on their feet. This could be someone who has lost a job, fallen ill and can't work, or like we talked about, struggling with addiction and lost everything because of it. I had a a few years ago, it was at the beginning of starting this church, um, Someone in this church was just in the early months of overcoming addiction. They're coming up on five years now. I won't say their name. And I asked them if they were going home to visit their parents for Christmas. I said, Are You going home to visit your parents? He, and he, he was, uh, he, he almost cried in the middle of the hallway back at Nazareth Academy. He said, I can't because I can't buy gifts for them. He said, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I can't go home and buy gifts. So, I'm not going to go see them. And so, I I forget what I had in my pocket. I had $23 or $43. I can't remember what I had. So, I gave it to him. And the reason I share the story is because I felt so joyful. I felt like God's grace to me that I could give him cash that I had anything in my wallet, because that's God's grace too that we have anything in our wallet. We could be destitute tomorrow with one tragedy. One tragedy, we could have no cash in that wallet. So, by the grace of God, we have any dollar in our bank. And I, um, I gave it to him and I felt the power of the Holy Spirit when he cried and said, thank you so much. And he went and bought gifts and he was able to visit his family. The reason I share that story is because, do you know that now he's the one of the most generous givers in this church? He went from, I can't afford, I can't afford to buy gifts for my family, so I'm ashamed to go home. To, wow, someone helped me when I'm weak, and now I'm going to help the weak. That's the pattern of the gospel. That's the only reason we give, because Jesus helped us in our weakest state. We all have been weak at one point, or maybe weak now. Jesus helped us in our weakness, weakest state, and he gave everything when we had nothing to give back. And we pass on that cycle of the gospel, giving to the weak, helping to the weak, and then they get strong and they give to the weak and the church advances. We give to help the weak, amen? And it's so much greater than getting. Those are the greatest experiences. If you want to enjoy life and feel the presence of God, give more than you get. That's the way that Jesus taught us. I've seen people buy cars for people so they could have transportation to work and back so they can keep their job, we must help the weak. I've seen people pay hospital bills when someone didn't have the money when they were in the hospital, we must help the weak. I've seen people give generously to the local church, many of you, so that we continue this mission of seeing people restored by the gospel, we must help the weak. It's wonderful to live like with purpose like that. So let's talk about some practical ways here. Some of you saying, I have that desire to be more generous, but I'm having trouble connecting that to the action step of being remarkably generous. So many of you have the hearts for that and saying, I have the heart for that. How do I connect that to making it a healthy, holy habit in my life? And so let's talk about that. How do I do that? How do I live a life that models and speaks it's better to give than to receive? Number one, you have to, it takes intentionality. You have to be intentional through prayer and discussion with God, with your spouse, and if need be, with your pastor, about how do I give? How much should I give? What should this God, how much should we give as a family? Father, what is pleasing unto you with what you've allowed me to make? Talk to your spouse, say, listen, listen. We need to give. We need to fuel this mission. We need to, um, I feel like we need to grow and it's better to give than receive. What does that look like? These conversations, the intentionality of it is very important. Because anytime you want to bridge the gap between who you are and who you want to be or what your habits are and what your habits, you want them to be, do you know what bridges that gap? Discipline. Discipline is the difference between what we want to be and who we are. And the only way to bridge that is to intentionally adopt a discipline in your life. Giving is a discipline. It's intentional. Let's talk about this. Part of the uh, conversation is, what are your financial conditions? This has to do with the season of life, how much God has allowed you to make, what that looks like to ask those questions. Of course, if you're a college student and you got no dough, you're trying to see if they saved any donuts and Dunkin' Donuts after the place closed down. You know, you got any left on honeydews. You know? That's a different season of life, right? But what I would encourage you to do, if you're in that season of life as a college student or in a different season, never give nothing. Never give nothing. Because we know that the scriptures teach the widow's might. I wouldn't encourage you to give $3 a week. Why do I say $3? Because it covers the charge when you give online. <laughs> At least we get a dollar out of it. Give $3 a week because it develops a discipline and a habit. Because then $3 becomes $5. $5 becomes $10. It's about the discipline. Start somewhere. You never want to come hem- empty-handed to the family of God because you want to be part of that mission. Give $3 like the widow gave. If that's all you have, give it. God is so pleased with that when you do that. Now, some of us, most of us aren't in that season of college life, right? Maybe you're someone who gives nothing every week, and I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here by God's grace, and I hope you hear grace today, to lead you to greener pastures. Maybe you go from 0 to $25 a week. And you say, you know what? I'm going to give $25 a week. You always want to do incremental growth. My wife says that's my new term. I've said incremental about 830 times over the past two months. It will wear off in a few weeks. But you want to go from zero to 25. Say, I'm intentionally going to give $25 a week. And start with that discipline. Some of you got $25 And what I heard most at our members meetings last um, year when I met with you all individually, 90% of you said, I feel like God's calling me to give more. That's what the Holy Spirit was doing in many of your hearts. Said, I feel like God's calling me to do more. And that's what we're trying to get at. We want to see the Holy Spirit call you to where he wants you to be. Some of you are at $50. He's calling you $100. And some of you, God's blessed you. And you can even give more than $100 a week. Whatever the Holy Spirit is calling you to give, you have to be intentional about it and saying, I'm giving this every week. And follow the heart that God put you in when it comes to giving. Second, put in you when it comes to giving. Consistency is the key to all maturity. It's not showing up for one fight. It's showing up for every round of every fight. We all can show up for the fight once. We all can show up for a new thing once. But the thing is, when that newness and that uh, the emotions connected to it start to wear off, and oh man, I was happy about it for three weeks, right? It, consistency is the key to maturity in Christ, and consistency is the key to maturity in giving. You have to intentionally say it, and let me, the scriptures say, to excel in giving. Those exact words, to become excellent in our giving as a discipline. One of the best ways, and I understand this not for everyone, everyone has different things, but maybe this is... Something that God's calling you to. The most consistent and disciplined way that I've seen to give in this church is to sign up for online giving, because it comes out every week. Then, when you miss a Sunday, you're not, you know, you you're still supporting your church family and loving the week and caring for your church. You're helping us plan for budget. It really is the most excellent way to give, and it keeps us disciplined. So we really have to make a conscious effort if we're going to delete that, and that's between you and God. But it's the most excellent way to give. Some of you, it's just $3 to sign up for a week. Some of you, it's 25 some of it's 50 But that's the most excellent way. One of our goals this year, we have 11 scheduled gifts right now where people give weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. We have 11 of them. Our goal by the end of 2019 is to have 20 scheduled gifts. So if God calls you to that, once again, don't hear us saying you have to do that. But if God calls you to that, would you take that next step in consistency for Restoration Road? Our goal this year is to give 100000 more in giving to get to $200,000 so we'll be a self-sustaining sustaining financial, self-sustaining, uh, self-sustained financially. There we go. That's our goal to get there so we can give more, so we can accomplish our objective, so we can help the weak, so we can do all kinds of wonderful things as we continue to see God work here. So is God calling you to be a part of that? And third and in closing... Show off an atif- attitude of cheerfulness when it comes to giving. Cause I, I, feel, I feel the heaviness even talking about online giving. Right? There's a heaviness in here. You calling me to a discipline, Pastor? <laughs> well, you think we're disciples, we're, we're discipline? let that I'm calling you there cause I love you and I know it's a heavy subject and it's a heart subject, right? It's a heart subject. But I I believe we can get there and we will get there because I see the life's changed by the gospel because of giving. But I would love for us to have a cheerful, when I hit that button, I felt the glory of God. When I gave to that person, I felt the glory of God. When I signed up for online giving, I felt the pleasure of God. All those kind of things. I'd love for us to have a cheerful heart like the scripture says. The cheerfulness helps create a culture where it's better to give than to receive. And in closing, the reason we talk about any of this today is because Jesus modeled it to us in the gospel. He gave us everything. He gave us his whole life. Poured out. He actually lived poor most of his life, Jesus. All of his life. Homeless, traveling, preaching, not having much, giving all he had. He taught us that it was better to give than to receive. He taught us that the best way to live our life is to help the weak. So Restoration Road, let 2019 be the year that we don't gather up more debt, but we gather up more to donate more to care for the weak and to fuel the mission of God. Amen? So that's the close of our sermon series. I want to review real quick in a few sentences. We engage the mission of a church in 2019 by attending and inviting. We engage the mission of the church by connecting to, the group, to a group. We engage the mission of the church by serving with the gifts that God has given you. And we engage the mission of the church by being remarkably generous and given financially. If we do that this year, we will see God overflow this place with changed and restored lives as we labor and pray for 100 and towards what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to give you our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you capture all of our hearts in generosity this year? Will we follow this principle, Father? Would you hear our voice now collectively as I speak on behalf of this church family? Would you help us, Father, to be more generous, to learn what it means in life and action, to give more than we receive. And that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Father, we want to be faithful stewards of what you've given us financially. We want to see that people matter so much more than things. That people matter even so much more than some of our material dreams. And that your gospel and the advancement of it matters so much more than anything this life can give monetarily. Father, I would love for us to be known as a remarkably generous church where, that cares for one another, that cares for the weak, and that overflows into these towns and these cities where Restoration Road, because of your gospel, overflows with remarkable generosity and is able to care for so many broken people, Father. As we, we talked about during the sermon, Lord, I pray that our giving would fuel more people deciding to live instead of taking their lives, that our giving would fuel more people walking in sobriety in, instead of uh, dying to overdose. Father. I would I pray that our giving fuels more marriages staying together because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that our giving fuels many that are abused and they find healing here and the grace. Your grace here, Father. Make us disciplined. Grow us. And help us to live for these things. Amen.